all out on a crisp, <laughs> chilly morning. Hopefully my feet will fall by the time Sunday school's over. Got to move around a lot. All right, well, let me open our time together this morning with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Gracious God, you are the God of heavens and the earth. Uh, you are the, the creator of all things, and you are the one who made the seasons. Um, and as we uh, come out on a cold winter's morning uh, when um, much of the earth around us lies dormant, um, we know that you are the one, faithfully to your word, uh, will bring forth uh, the dawn of spring uh, and the new life uh, that that um, yeah that that your creation calendar um, presents uh, that uh, even the very creation itself shows how you are renewing and caring for the earth, Lord. As we study uh, your word uh, this morning, uh, the emphasis is again on your sovereignty, that you are the one uh, that rules creation and the one who rules all nations, uh, that. Um, you use them, uh, nations like Babylon, as a hammer uh, to, um, to work uh, your will, but um, like a tool, you dispose of it uh, when it no longer uh, serves its function. So help us uh, to trust uh, in your sovereign rule, uh, even uh, when in the midst of captivity or in the midst of... Um, uh, trials and tribulations uh, that uh, we know that you are working all things for good and that uh, we can trust in you and trust in your redemptive promises to your people. That though you may um, bring judgments upon Babylon, similar to the judgments that you brought upon your people uh, Judah, uh, they are not your people. Uh, that uh, you have a special um, relationship with your people and that uh, even though you um, bring uh, uh, judgment, that you bring lawsuit against your people, uh, you also step in um, as their defender and that um, you uh, defend them against the accusations of uh, the evil one. So we pray that um, as we study this word today, from civilizations uh, that uh, are long past, that uh, you will show us that you are still ever living and active. Uh, we ask that you would teach us by your spirit, uh, guide us into all truth, and, and most especially, uh, show us our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. All right, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 51. Yes, you heard that, chapter 51. Um, there is only one chapter left after this one. It's like a deck of cards, 52 of them. Um, so chapter 51 um, uh, is bringing to a conclusion this long section uh, that is um, ending the book before we get to kind of, uh, I guess you would call it an epilogue, uh, which uh, in chapter 52 we'll see next week. It's a second retelling of the fall of Jerusalem. So um, Jeremiah will revisit that topic um, that he covered um, earlier in the book, and we'll see next week there are differences in how he talks um, about that 
the fall of Jerusalem the second uh, time around. He's emphasizing different things. But in chapter 51, he's bringing to a close that section that started back in chapter 46 with the announcement, the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah the prophet concerning the nations. So chapters um, 46 through 51 present these prophecies against the nations around Israel, starting with Egypt and then ending uh, in chapters 50 and 51 with Babylon. And again, these are long uh, chapters, which I think signifies um, the importance of Babylon, not just at this moment uh, in Israel's history, but as we talked about last week, uh, the way Babylon um, becomes uh, the, the, the symbol of the, the kingdoms of this world, um, especially uh, when we get to the book of Revelation. So in the past weeks, uh, we've seen how this series of prophe prophecies establishes that God is not just the Lord of Israel and Judah, but it's the God of all nations. Uh, he's the one that makes kingdoms rise and fall. So, and, and we've seen throughout these, he's not just um, bringing judgments on the pretensions and actions of these various kingdoms, but he's also bringing judgment upon their gods. And we've seen over and over again, he's not just doing things to, say, uh, the Egyptians, but he's doing things to the gods of Egypt. Or as we saw last week, he's not just sing singling out uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the other Chaldeans, but he drew attention to uh, Marduk, uh, the Babylonian lord of the gods, uh, so-called. Uh, and so God will bring down both these arrogant nations and the false gods that they worship. Uh, we also see that in his bringing judgment, uh, last week particularly as we we're looking at the first um, half of these prophecies against Babylon. Uh, his bringing judgment upon Babylon is part of uh, his bringing salvation to his people. So if you can kind of think of it, it's like a two-edged sword that God is employing. So with one blow, he's striking Babylon down, and that same blow is delivering salvation uh, to um, his people and allowing them to return back to their land um, out of captivity in Babylon. So uh, these chapters uh, collect together Jeremiah's lengthy diatribes against the most powerful uh, and in terms of the destruction of Jerusalem, most consequential nation for Jeremiah's immediate audience. Uh, this series of prophecies show how God judges even the nation which he used as an instrument of judgment on his people, holding them account for their delight and destruction their arrogance, and their idolatry. Both last week and today, we'll see how God's execution of justice against Babylon mirrors the atrocities that they um, committed against others. So that uh, reciprocity, the same things that are going to be befall Babylon as they did to other nations. So with that as a word of introduction, uh, let me read for us uh, Jeremiah chapter 51. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will stir up the spirit of a destroyer against Babylon, against the inhabitants of Leb, Leb Kamai. And I will send to Babylon winnowers, and they shall winnow her. And they shall empty her land when they come against her from every side on the day of trouble. Let not the archer bend his bow, and let him not stand up in his armor. Spare not her young men, 
devote to destruction all her army. They shall fall down slain in the land of the Chaldeans and wounded in her streets. For Israel and Judah have not been forsaken by their God, the Lord of hosts, but the land of Chaldeans is full of guilt against the Holy One of Israel. Flee from the midst of Babylon. Let everyone save his life. Be not cut off in her punishment. For this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. The repayment he is rendering her. Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand. Making all the earth drunken. The nations drank of her wine. Therefore the nations went mad. Suddenly Babylon has fallen and been broken. Wail for her. Take balm for her pain. Perhaps she may be healed. We would have healed Babylon, but she was not healed. Forsake her, and let us go each to his own country. For her judgment has reached up to heaven, and has been lifted up even to the skies. The Lord has brought about our vindication. Come, let us declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God. Sharpen the arrows, take up the shields. The Lord has stirred up the spirit of the kings of the Medes. Because his purpose concerning Babylon is to destroy it. For that is the vengeance of the Lord. The vengeance for his temple. Set up a standard against the walls of Babylon. Make the watch strong. Set up watchmen. Prepare the ambushes. For the Lord has both planned and done what he spoke concerning the inhabitants of Babylon. O you who dwell by many waters, rich in treasures, your end has come. The thread of your life is cut. The Lord of hosts has sworn by himself, Surely I will fill you with men as many as locusts, and they shall raise the shout of victory over you. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the word by his wisdom, and by his understanding stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he makes the mist rise from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain, and he brings forth the wind from his storehouses. Every man is stupid and without knowledge. Every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols, for his images are false, and there's no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of delusion. At the time of their punishment, they shall perish. Not like these is he who is the portion of Jacob, for he is the one who formed all things, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. You are my ha hammer and weapon of war. With you I break nations in pieces. With you I destroy kingdoms. With you I break in pieces the horse and the, his rider. With you I break into pieces the chariot and the charioteer. With you I break in pieces man and woman. With you I break in pieces the old man and the youth. With you I break in pieces the young man and the young woman. With you I break in pieces the shepherd and his flock. With you I break in pieces the farmer and his team. With you I break in pieces governors and commanders. I will repay Babylon and all the inhabitants of Chaldea before your very eyes for all the evil that they have done in Zion, declares the Lord. Behold, I am against you, O destroyed mountain, declares the Lord which destroys the whole earth, I will stretch out my hand against you and roll you down from the crags and make you a burnt mountain. No stone shall be taken from you for a corner and no stone for a foundation, but you shall be a perpetual waste, declares the Lord. 
Set up a standard on the earth. Blow the trumpet among the nations. Prepare the nations for war against her. Summon against her the kingdoms, Ararat, Mini, and Ashkenaz. Appoint a marshal against her. Bring up horses like bristling locusts. Prepare the nations for war against her, the kings of the Medes with their governors and deputies, and every land under their dominion. The land trembles and rises in pain for the Lord's purpose, purposes against Babylon's stand to make the land of Babylon a desolation without inhabitant. The warriors of Babylon have ceased fighting. They remain in their strongholds. Their strength has failed. They have become women. Her dwellings are on fire. Her bars are broken. One runner runs to meet another and one messenger to meet another to tell the king of Babylon that his city is taken on every side. The fords have been seized. The marshes are burned with fire and the soldiers are in panic. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, the daughter of Babylon is like a threshing floor at the time when it is trodden. Yet a little while and the time of her harvest will come. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has devoured me. He has crushed me. He has made me an empty vessel. He has swallowed me like a monster. He has filled his stomach with my delicacies. He has rinsed me out. The violence done to me and my kinsmen be upon Babylon. Let the inhabitant of Zion say. My blood be upon the inhabitants of Chaldea. Let Jerusalem say. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will plead your cause. I will take vengeance for you. I will dry up her sea and make her fountain dry, and Babylon shall become a heap of ruins, the haunt of jackals, a horror and a hissing without inhabitant. They shall roar together like lions. They shall growl like lions' cubs. While they are inflamed, I will prepare them a feast and make them drunk that they may become merry, then sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake, declares the Lord. I will bring them down like lambs to the slaughter, like rams and male goats. How Babylon is taken, the praise of the whole earth seized. How Babylon has become a horror among the nations. The sea has come up upon Babylon. She is covered with its tumultuous waves. Her cities have become a horror, a land of drought and a desert, a land in which no one dwells and through which no son of man passes. And I will punish Bel in Babylon and take out of his mouth what he has swallowed. The nations shall no longer flow to him. The wall of Babylon has fallen. Go out of the midst of her, my people. Let everyone save his life from the fierce anger of the Lord. Let not your heart faint and be not fearful at the report heard in the land. When a report comes in one year and afterward a report in another year, and violence is in the land, and ruler is against ruler. Therefore, behold, the days are coming when I will punish the images of Babylon. Her whole land shall be put to shame, and all her slain shall fall in the midst of her. Then the heavens and the earth and all that is in them shall sing for joy over Babylon. For the destroyers shall come against them out of the north, declares the Lord. Babylon must fall for the slain of Israel, just as for Babylon have fallen the slain of all the earth. You who have escaped from the sword, go, do not stand still. Remember the Lord from far away and let Jerusalem come into your mind. 
We are put to shame, for we, we, for we have heard reproach. Dishonor has covered our face, for foreigners have come into the holy places of the Lord's house. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will execute judgment upon our images, and through all our land the wounded shall groan. Though Babylon should mount up to heaven, and though she should fortify her strong height, yet destroyers would come from me against her, declares the Lord. A voice, a cry from Babylon, the noise of great destruction from the land of Chaldeans. For the Lord is laying Babylon waste and stilling her mighty voice. Their waves roar like many waters. The noise of their voice is raised, for a destroyer has come upon her, upon Babylon. Her warriors are taken, their bows are broken in pieces. For the Lord is a God of recompense. He will surely repay. I will make drunk her officials and her wise men, her governors, her commanders, and her warriors. They shall sleep a perpetual sleep and not wake, declares the king, whose name is the Lord of hosts. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the broad wall of Babylon shall be leveled to the ground, and her high gate shall be burned with fire. The peoples labor for nothing, and the nations weary themselves only for fire. The word that Jeremiah the prophet commanded Sariah, son of Neriah, son of Masaiah, when he went with Zedekiah, king of Judah, to Babylon in the fourth year of his reign. Sariah was the quartermaster. Jeremiah wrote in a book all the disaster that should come upon Babylon, all these words that are written concerning Babylon. And Jeremiah said to Sariah, when you come to Babylon, see that you read all these words. And say, O Lord, you have said concerning this place that you will cut it off so that nothing shall dwell in it, neither man nor beast, and it shall be desolate forever. When you finish reading this book, tie it a stone to it and cast it into the midst of the Euphrates and say, Thus shall Babylon sink to rise no more because of the disaster that I am bringing upon her, and they shall become exhausted. Thus far are the words of Jeremiah. May God add a blessing as we talk of them this morning. All right, so last week in discussing chapter 50, we noted many similarities between what Babylon did to Judah and what God says uh, the Medes and other nations are going to do to Babylon. So despite suffering similar fates, um, in the first part of chapter 51, um, how does Jeremiah say that Israel uh, differs from Babylon? So they suffer a lot of the same things, an enemy from the north, uh, they become a horror and a hissing, um, uh, they suffer uh, uh, destruction, destruction of their idols. But Jeremiah is saying they're suffering the same things, but Israel nevertheless is different. So what what makes them different? Yeah, Dave. Yeah, so the, whereas with Israel, yeah, they're suffering um, invasion, they're suffering captivity, but God is not done with them. Um, God is still active. Uh, for their good, um, whereas for Babylon, they are forsaken. So it's 
it's a very, as you say, a very different end. Um, and whereas with, with Israel, the, the, the focus is on restoration to the land, restoration of the land itself, especially like when you look in um, Isaiah, all the prophecies concerning how God is, is, is going to revitalize the very land itself, give the land, in a sense, in, in Isaiah, God is giving the land itself rest from the sin of Israel <laughs> and its consequences. Um, but when he brings his people back, he, it's, it's restoration, it's revitalization, whereas with Babylon, you turn the page and there's nothing. <laughs> you know, with Israel, there's further chapters still to come. God's not done with them. But with, with Babylon, we, we've reached the end of the book. It's, 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 as you say, like with desolation, it's a blank page. Uh, when you turn to the next chapter for Babylon, this is it. Good. How else is Israel um, marked as different? So as um, Dave pointed out, Israel is not to be forsaken in the same way that Babylon uh, is to be forsaken. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, and notice here, like, I'm glad you brought us to that voice. Not like these is he who is the portion of Jacob. Um, so Israel's the tribe of his inheritance, but he is their portion. Like, and, and you kind of think, like, you know, he, he's their inheritance. <laughs> um, like, he, he is what they get. Um, he is their portion. Um, kind of think, like, uh, when... In the story of the prodigal son, he goes to his father and says, give me my portion. You know, give me what is coming to me. And here, he, in a similar way, he's using this, that portion in that same sense. It, it's their inheritance. It's what they have coming due to them. And it's God himself, um, the, the one who formed all things. The Lord of hosts is his name. He is their, their portion. Um, and they are his precious inheritance, their precious possession. So it's a very, he has a very different relationship. And it's that relationship, again, is what sets them apart. Again, as we've seen through the book, like Babylonians are idolaters, so is Israel. <laughs> um, uh, Babylonians did unjust things, so did Israel. Um, the, the difference is the relationship that even though his people have been unfaithful to the covenant, God is committed to keeping his covenant promises for them. Um, and, and he will act on their behalf. Uh, he will punish them for their sin, but then he also, as we saw last week, will provide a mechanism for the complete forgiveness of their sin so that the, that the guilt will be completely removed from their land. And it's an act that only God can perform. Good. Other things that strike you about what, how he's contrasting um, the, the destinies of, of Israel, his people, and the destiny of Babylon. So there are a lot of similar things said about both of them, um, but two very different ends. Yeah, Dave.
yeah, there's a lot, lot in here that's taken up <laughs> in, in Revelation. Um, and notice how, you know, like there, like Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand, making all the earth, drink, earth drunken. The nations drank of her wine, therefore the nations went mad. Um, and it's this like, God has used them as the cup of wrath that he has poured out on the nations. Um, and once he's done with that cup, he breaks it. Suddenly Babylon has fallen, has been broken. <laughs> um, you know, he is pouring out his wrath upon the nations, and he's used this golden cup of Babylon. And, and notice, like, he keeps referring throughout um, both last week in chapter 50 and this ch chapter, you know, like, this is the golden city, like, you know. Is that, you know, they're the gardens of Babylon or one of the wonders of the ancient world. Like, so he's, he's paying attention, like highlighting their splendor, their power, um, how they've lorded it over all the earth. Um, and yet, they too are going to suffer the same fate that they've poured out on other nations. Yeah, Debbie. Babylon is pretty short. Um, so in, in terms of, of human kingdoms, they, they basically have about 100 years of ascendancy. And then they're, they're supplanted by the Persians who establish a much longer, more important reign. Um, but Babylon itself, by all descriptions, uh, was pretty splendid. <laughs> um, uh, you can go see one of the gates has been recovered and rebuilt. And is which, which museum is it in Germany? Yeah, so they're, like you can see one of the, the gates from the city, and it's just amazing. <laughs> like this is not like, you know, and, and Babylon, like different from other, um, other places around it, there's no stone around there, so everything's made out of brick. Um, so they built this amazing brick city. Uh, it was known as, you know, Jeremiah refers to multiple times in 51, um, talks about her walls. Like her, her walls were um, viewed as uh, impenetrable. And like if you think of the book of, of Daniel, um, you know, they're sitting in that room feasting, having a great time because they think, ah, those Medes and Persians outside the walls, like they can't get in. Um, and, and Cyrus diverts the river and they just like <laughs> walk right into the city because <laughs> the river flowed through it. So he, he just like, okay. We'll go in that way. <laughs> so the, the, the irony is um, uh, Babylon is taken um, actually without that much destruction in the actual seizure of Babylon itself. Um, and, but, you know, it's over time, it's rendered a waste as we, we see here. Um, but, and I, I think to, to your question, and I think this is what is really like for, for Jeremiah and for the Judeans, like Babylon is is it? Like, 
Like, you know, they don't know how long it's going to last. They don't know how long, like, to them, this seems like, you know, like, this is the country that has um, brought down the Assyrians. This is the country that brought down, or the empire that brought down the Egyptians. Like, you know, the, the, this is the, this is the guy who's one king of the mountain is up there and like, who's going to knock him off? <laughs> um, so they can't see, <laughs> which is why this prophecy is so important because he's telling them uh, the, the Medes, uh, these other kingdoms from the north that are going to be brought under um, uh, the Persians, so it's the Medes and Persians who, who bring down Babylon, that, that God in his sovereign power is going to take down um, you know, this, this earthly power that to someone living at the time, they're like, you know, they, they can't even imagine it coming to an end. Like, it's, it's, it's unimaginable that someone else is out there. And, and again, it's that, that idea. And we get that again in Daniel. Like, yeah, that's what the kingdoms of the earth are. This one comes, it's like clay. This one comes, it seems a little stronger like iron, but it's all in the end. It's all going to be reduced to dust and rubble. Yeah, so the Medes, um, so if you think where the Medes were, they were uh, located to the, the, the north um, and kind of, yeah, to the northeast of Babylon. So, um, it, yeah, kind of, well, kind of an arc, like so kind of ranging from like um, modern day Armenia, like these nations he mentions, um, Yeah, those nations, Ararat, Mini, Ashkenaz, those are all southern Turkey, roughly where Armenian populations uh, live today. So you kind of, yeah, they were, well, they're, they were all independent peoples that became subject to the Medes. And if you think of the Medes and Persians, and maybe this is one of the reasons they're, they lasted longer, is they gave the, their subject nations a little more independence, so they kind of kept their identity. Like, I mean, think of when Israel comes back. Like, they come back with the blessings of Cyrus, but they're not coming back independent of Cyrus. Like, and that's, uh, Cyrus kind of represents the best of the Persian Empire in that he, he let the nations, you know, he, he, we would say he allowed religious toleration uh, he allowed political, um, a degree of political dependence or independence while they're still kind of under the umbrella. So I would say it, the, the mention of the Medes um, it would be a little surprising because like there's nothing to suggest that they're, they're certainly not bigger than Babylon right now. So it's sort of like, you know, us saying that like, oh, I don't know, I'm trying to think what. Like, in colonial America, like, you couldn't have predicted, like, which, which colony is going to become the, the richest and most powerful. Like, you, you, you wouldn't necessarily in, you know, 1750 know 
uh, New York, like there's nothing indicating New York is gonna become as important as New York is in the 19th century. Like it looks like in, in the 18th century, um, Philadelphia, like Boston entered the 18th century in the lead, uh, New York was catching up, but Philadelphia had like passed both of them. Um, and if you think Philadelphia was the first nation's capital and like, so Philadelphia is like preeminent in 30 years after America's finding, <laughs> founding, New York is like blowing everybody out of the water. So like, you know, 1750, you couldn't predict it. 1815, 1820, it seems obvious. <laughs> so it's that kind of idea. Like Meads, really? <laughs> They're gonna become the most successful and then afterwards you're like, oh yeah. Medes, Persians, um, because again, I think it's a lot, and the, notice how here it's not just the Medes, but he's raising up the nations. So again, it's, it's the way the Persians um, uh, conquered, but then employed and deployed the nations under them because they gave them a degree of autonomy um, that Babylonians didn't. So that, that's, that'll be it, my history lesson, I guess, for the day. <laughs> So um, obviously there's a lot of, of images um, in this, this chapter. Hold on, let me get down to my specific question. It's the problem with scrolling. Can I much rather change, turn the page. Um, so um, yeah, so there are a lot of images, pictures. Um, there are different poetic sections. Um, so uh, we're not gonna be able to work through all the details. Um, but what, what are some of the images, the word pictures that Jeremiah presents in this chapter that stand out to you? Um, uh, you know, some of them are poetic, uh, some of them are more graphically descriptive than others. Yes, Cynthia. Yeah, absolutely. Like again, like the cornerstone, like you think is is you know establishing this edifice that's going to last, and and he's saying that eh, you know there's there's nothing that's going to last <laughs> from you. <laughs> there's nothing going to be established upon you. Um, you're going to be supplanted by by other peoples. Like you you know you're not. This is a dead end. <laughs> um, you know they're not going to um, rebuild the structure of your kingdom, it's gonna pass into somebody else's hands. Um, so, and I think from the use of cornerstone, it is like the Christ being the cornerstone is part of a kingdom that does last, that is eternal, um, of a structure um, that uh, will never fall. Others, what other images? So yeah, that's a beautiful one. Other images, word pictures that, that stand out to you? <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of like, <laughs> yeah, haunt of jackals. So you, you can kind of think of, 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 of jackals as, um, I mean, I try to, 
there we go. Think of, yeah, like they're kind of like, you know, in the wastelands and looking in like on these prosperous areas and like, you know, taking what they can, um, but they themselves are kind of banished to the wastelands. Um, so, you know, it, it's the way like we, we don't, you know, like, like now there are all kinds of fears around Maynard um, about the coyote population that's like coming in because Maynard's got lots of wilderness around it. A lot of it humans can't go because the army <laughs> um, deposited all kinds of munitions. So like you can't go off the tracks. But the, you know, like the, the coyotes can go and live and thrive in these areas where humans can't. So it's, it's that, that idea, like the, the haunt of jackals is a place where humans aren't present. So it's like they've reverted to wilderness. So it's that kind of picture for them. It's not a place where, um, you know, livestock live and thrive and people like the jackals kind of keep to themselves. They prey on those things, but they live elsewhere. Yeah, and it I, like, and it's hard not to read those things about like their drunken stupor, and not think of that chapter of the Book of Daniel where literally they're having this long, enormous, raucous party while the you know the Medes and Persians are at their gates, um, and you know they're in this drunken stupor and and they get conquered. <laughs> Yeah, and imagine, like, imagine that moment. They're in the middle of a huge party, uh, and then the mess, like, you know, like, in, in Daniel, like, you get the handwriting on the wall, like, uh, and that, that had to have been terrifying. Um, but, you know, that very night, like, you know, they don't see it coming at all. Um, Yeah, and, and again, to go why Babylon didn't last, like throughout Babylon's history, it was, there are all kinds of internal plots and um, like we saw earlier in the book of, of Jeremiah, um, Babylon had, was coming against Judah, but then had to turn around and face like its own kind of civil unrest uh, within it. Um, so he, he's saying, all right, it's kind of like when, when Jesus says, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, but, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's it, like Babylon does not seem like a very stable <laughs> society. Like from the outside, it looks glittery and powerful, but, but he's pointing out it's not stable. Um, 
It's not going to last. It's not going to endure. Um, it's going to, in many ways, consume itself. I, I love this, um, the way that um, he, he puts, you get this dialogue in verses uh, 34 through 37. And he has the inhabitant of Zion say, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has devoured me. He has crushed me. He has made me an empty vessel. He has swallowed me like a monster. He's filled his stomach with my delicacies. He's rinsed me out. The violence done to me and my kinsmen will be, be upon Babylon. Let the inhabitant of Zion say. Like, so it's like giving this picture of like Nebuchadnezzar, um, uh, you know, fattening himself on the people of God. And then it's like uh, the word um, he rinsed me out. It, it's more, you know, the, as you can see in the footnote of the ESV, he's expelled me. It's kind of like, you know, like he burst out. Like, you know, he's eaten, consumed until he bursts, either vomiting or just like <laughs> um, explodes um, with, with what he's consumed. So, but, but the picture is exactly kind of like what you're saying, Scott. Like their, um, their rapacious consumption lays the seed for their own self-destruction in that sense. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, you have these cycles of this nation doing it to that nation, and only God can put a, put a stop to it. Um, and, and he is using these nations to bring out uh, his vengeance upon his people. I will pray, verse 24, I will repay Babylon and all the inhabitants of Chaldea before your very eyes for all the evil that they have done in Zion, declares the Lord. And like, keep that verse in mind, because that when we get to chapter 52, um, where he, again, kind of ends the book of Jeremiah by retelling um, the, the fall of Jerusalem. And um, uh, like Dave, um, or David Hagen noted when we studied the first fall of Jerusalem that it said nothing about the temple. Um, the second time in chapter 52, the temple is at the, the center of the story. So as he's positioning these judgments against Babylon, um, Notice here how, um, you know, he's, he's bringing out uh, things, you know, what, uh, you know, verse 11. The Lord has stirred up the spirit of the kings of the Medes because his purpose concerning Babylon is to destroy it. For that is the vengeance of the Lord, the vengeance for his temple. So it's particularly what Babylon has done to the people of God, to the city of God, to the temple of God. Um, and uh, again, they've used it to exalt themselves, uh, to exalt their God. And again, we have a, have a reference uh, in that here to, to, to Bel, um, you know, uh, which again, Bel was a separate deity that the Babylonians combined with Bel Marduk. So Bel becomes kind of like a title. So they're calling... Marduk, their lord, and he's saying, no, 
the Lord of hosts is his name. <laughs> and uh, he, he's, he's, um, he's showing how stupid um, idol worship is. Uh, uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but verses 15 through 19, hold on, let me give you, are an exact repetition of what Jeremiah told us back in chapter 10. Um, hold on, I can give you the verses. Chapter 10, verses 12 to 16. So he's repeating these same verses, 15 through 19, that he gave us earlier. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there's a tumult of water in the heavens, and he makes the mist rise from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain, and he brings forth the wind from its storehouses. Every man is stupid. And without knowledge, every goldsmith is put to shame by his idols, for his images are false and there is no breath in them. They are worthless, a work of delusion. At the time of their punishment, they shall perish. Not like these is he who is the portion of Jacob, for he is the one who formed all things, and Israel is the tribe of his inheritance, the Lord of hosts is named. So, again, what a, it, it, it's really like, to think, like, he gave that passage earlier in the book in the context of Judah's idols, Judah's images, Judah's stupidity. And the exact same thing is true of Babylon. So he can kind of take the same words. I mean, I think it's really instructive, and it goes back to my first question. He can take the same words and put them in the context of prophecies against Judah and then come around and and use them in prophecies against Babylon, um, and yet still have very different ends. Um, and the point that links them is, his, is their idol worship, and that is what he, he really is pouring forth his vengeance upon, the stupidity of man and making these, these idols, and then worshiping them. Good, other images that stand out to you in, in these chapters pictures, things you want to talk about. I've got lots of things I want to talk about, but too many things I want to talk about. Hopefully not too many things I want to talk about in the sermon later on, but that's another story. <laughs> Matthew's like, this will be your chance to keep it short, so we'll see if I succeed. Um, yeah, Teresa. Yeah, so like he's, again, using these these pictures, so you know, like, you know, if we, if we think of Babylon, we don't think of mountains. <laughs> you know, it, it's on these, these alluvial river plains. So it's about as, like, I, I've never been, but I imagine when I think of it, I think of the Mississippi Delta. So the Mississippi Delta is about as flat a place I've, I've ever in, encountered. <laughs> like, you, you come down out of the hill in Yazoo City, Mississippi, you go down that hill, and it's just flat all the way to the Mississippi River. That's why when the levees broke uh, in the, I think it was 1926 flood, the water just came in all the way from the Mississippi to Yazoo City eight, at an average depth of eight feet because it's just so flat. But he, so he's using mountains to describe not um, literally Babylon's position, but metaphorically how they have lifted themselves up and, and made themselves a mountain, and, it, and it's almost like a volcano, um, a, a, you know, a, a mountain 
which destroys the whole earth. I will stretch out my hand against you and roll you down from the crags and make you a burnt mountain. Uh, and again, this the, the verse that, that Cynthia, no stone shall be taken from you for a corner and no stone for a foundation, but you shall be a perpetual waste, declares the Lord. So they've exalted themselves, like, you know, as like, you know, they've set themselves up as the, uh, like a mountain and, and God's saying, no. <laughs> and I'm going to, you might think you're a mountain, but uh, pouring forth destruction, but I'm going to make you what you really are, which is a, a, a wilderness, a flat plain. Um, I'm going to level you. <laughs> um, and then with the waters, um, you know, if you think of Babylon, it's, it's far from the sea. Um, so when it's talking about, uh, the, you know, it flooding, like this, this wall of water that's going to consume it, Again, it's, he's using that for the nations that are coming against them. Um, you know, he, he uses this idea of the, the nations coming against you uh, like, um, like waters, like a, a flood destroying everything before them. So it's not, again, that Babylon's literally going to be, the sea's going to rise up and flood it, but the nations coming forth against them are going to level them like a flood. Yeah, and if you think like like you know if, um, like Jeremiah, we can kind of think is is his prophetic greatest hits album. <laughs> like this is not it doesn't contain everything uh, Jeremiah said, um, but it's the collection of you know we're we're taking all the greatest hits and just like a greatest hits album does, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't give you all the, well, these are the greatest hits from this album and this is the greatest hits from this album, but it creates a whole, like a good greatest hits album becomes a classic album in itself because of the way the songs are arranged and things like that. So if you think about Jeremiah like that, he, in a sense, he's taking a lifetime of prophecies against Babylon and condensing them into these two chapters. And we get a glimpse of like, while, while most of them aren't dated, that last one is. Like the last one, he takes um, you know this particular moment uh, where again there's one of these plots of rebellion against Babylon, and Zedekiah is implicated in it, and and Nebuchadnezzar's like calling Zedekiah to account, and Jeremiah uses it as an opportunity to give Sariah a col this collection, like you know he he writes down all these prophecies that he's been giving against Babylon, 
and, and writes them on a scroll and, and gives them to Sariah to, to take uh, to Babylon and to read to the captives there. And there's like, notice how much uh, in this um, there are references to the people inhabiting Babylon at the moment it's going to you know, suffer these things. And it's, it's telling them flee, get away as quick as you can, remember Jerusalem and head that way. Don't hold on to the comforts in Babylon, but remember there is this God uh, who's working these things out and has told you, warned you, prepared you ahead of time for this forthcoming destruction so that you can, um, one, believe it, because it's, you know, it's gonna be hard to believe uh, <laughs> in the moment, like when, if you're a captive in Babylon, you kind of think that's it. Like this is going to be the end of my existence. And, and he's saying, no, be ready to flee uh, when the time comes. Don't be sucked up into the destruction that's coming. Um, so yeah, so it's these, it's a lot and, and there is a lot of repetition, but it's like, again, like collecting prophecies that were probably delivered this moment and this moment and this moment in Jeremiah's career but they've been collected together for the purposes of this particular book and putting them all at the end of the, this um, prophecies against the nations. And, and the other thing to, to what you're saying, Grant, um, like remember earlier in the book, um, all the accusations that, that Jeremiah is pro-Babylon, like again, trying to, to politicize his message. So if you're prophesying against Jerusalem and you're saying Babylon's gonna do this, you must be a supporter of Babylon, and he's not. <laughs> no, he's saying just as bad things is gonna befall the Babylonians. He's pro-Yahweh, and to be pro-Yahweh means at one moment to submit to the Babylonians, and you can submit to the Babylonians for a moment because you know God's gonna dispatch them pretty quickly afterwards. So it, you know, in, in terms of, of human history, he's giving, um, these messages to, to Judah saying, God's going to use the Babylonians to punish you, but he's going to publish the Babylonians also um, so that they're not going to be excused for, for, for what they're doing to you. Um, and even more, that you're different in that whereas the Babylonians are utterly forsaken, you're not. Um, that there is a hope and a message for you. Dave. Well, if you think um, Sariah um, it, you know, is probably related to Baruch, um, they're both sons, like we've given the same generation when we're given Baruch's um, genealogy. <laughs> yeah, still calling for his head. So yeah, it, he's, there are people out there, um, but, and, and maybe at this moment, like, you know, People aren't listening to Sariah. We don't have a sense of audience reception to when Sariah brings all these prophecies against the Babylonians. Um, yeah, you know, it's one of the, we don't know how they respond to Sariah's act. Yeah, and again, because the you know, like 
it's, he, he's vindicated afterwards. Um, and he's got a long career of 40 years of where he's not vindicated, <laughs> where people are hating on him. And so, yeah, there is a residual hate uh, toward Jeremiah in his message. Um, but they're not fully listening, I would say, to, to the full grasp of his message. Because again, he's not pro-Babylonian, he's pro-Yahweh, which means that um, he recognizes how God is using the Babylonians for a moment, but to, to bring um, punishment, right punishment, upon people for their violation of their covenant with God. Um, but then he turns around and he does it against the Babylonians. And I love the, there's a legal term um, that Jeremiah has used throughout um, the book. Um, let me see if I can find it. Um, oh, he, there's this, this idea of he's bringing a case against Babylon. Um, I can't find it off the top of my head. Or, yeah, uh, and my computer shut down. That's why I need paper notes. <laughs> I will fix my printer before next week. Um, but he, you know, like, so he's been positioning himself basically as um, prosecuting attorney against his people. And in this book, he says, I'm going to, defend them. I'm going to make their case. So it's like God has prosecuted his people um, for their sin, and then he turns around and defends them. Um, like there's a, a movie, oh good grief, I'm blanking on the name of it. It's got Denzel Washington and, and oh, oh, anyway. But in the movie, it's based on a true story. This New York City detective brings down Denzel Washington, his Harlem character who's run this huge drug smuggling operation. He, he brings the city's case against him and successfully prosecutes them. Um, and that's his, so he, he goes from being a, just a police officer to becoming a lawyer um, and, and brings down this guy. And then he, he gets, passes the bar, becomes a lawyer. And his first client is Denzel Washington's character. So, so it's that kind of idea like, he, he's, he's brought the right case and punishment uh, against his people, and then he turns around and speaks in their defense. So it's sort of like he, he's brought that case to a conclusion. Now in the next case of the people v. Babylon, <laughs> um, he's taking the part uh, of the people. So he's, he's prosecuted his people, uh, and now he's going to defend them against people like the Babylonians. You're done? Okay. 36, thank you. I knew it was in there. I will plead your cause. Exactly. I've taken up your, your case. I, so don't get caught with those guys. <laughs> All right, well, we're at time. So um, let me close this word of prayer. But, so this brings to an end the prophecies concerning the nations. But keep what he said in, about the Babylonians, in particular about why the Babylonians are being punished, in mind when we get to next week, the second telling in the book of Jeremiah about the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, but let me uh, close this in prayer. Gracious God, we do um, praise you, for you are the sovereign Lord of all. Lord, we confess uh, to, to live on this earth um, is uh, to, to be blind um, to, to your purposes. We, we can't see uh, what tomorrow holds, but you hold tomorrow. Um, 
and all that it contains. Uh, it's easy for us in the moment to be fearful, to be anxious, to think that uh, compromise with the world as it is is the only way to survive, um, whereas um, you are bringing your judgments against the world. And our, our only hope um, is in our relationship with you, that um, you are our God and, and you are the one uh, who defends us, that um, of all the kingdoms of the earth, you alone are king. Uh, you alone are perfectly righteous and just, and all um, the judgments uh, you bring against the nations. And just as Paul says in the Romans, uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So here in the book of Jeremiah, we've seen uh, Judah and Babylon um, uh, have sinned in, in, in such similar ways against you, uh, making and worshiping idols of their own hands. Um, but you are destroying uh, the idols and the vanity that they represent. Um, and you are uh, making for yourself a people, a people that started uh, with the offspring of Abraham, um, but uh, is spreading to include people of every tongue and nation and language on earth. Every kingdom uh, is being brought in subjection uh, to you and your, uh, your kingdom, which will be established uh, amongst all the peoples of the earth. And so we pray for that kingdom to come. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Uh, help us now to gather as we worship and praise him in the coming hour. This we pray in Christ's matchless name, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.